0: We're going to be learning in Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi, the only piece in Hilchus Chovel Umazik. This is Parak Zayin Halacha Dalid. And Rab Chaim begins with an analysis of the rulings of the Rambam in a case of Hezek Sheino Nikar, which means someone damaged property, but it's not noticeable. So it's not a physical damage. It changed the Halachic status of the property, so it's unusable. So it is a financial damage, but it's not a physical damage. So the case of the Rambam is where someone used a para Duma, an animal which could have been the red cow, so it had a value. But the person put it to work, so now it's disqualified from being a paraduma. So they damaged it, but it's not noticeable the damage. Likewise, the ashes of the paraduma that are mixed into water. So if they use it and work with it, it becomes disqualified, even though nothing changed physically. But from that discussion, Rab Chaim goes to a very important conceptual discussion about the relationship between a mazik and a gazl. Someone who damages something versus someone who steals, and we'll see at the end that that's a three way debate between the Ktsos, the Nasivis, and Rab Chaim. So that's a very important and central discussion as to what constitutes damage versus what's considered stealing. The Rambam writes, someone who does work with a para aduma or with the water that's mixed with the ashes of the para aduma that's used for purification. So he Disqualified both of them. The Rambam rules that if he did it intentionally, he's obligated to pay, and if it was an accident, so then he's exempt to pay. Now, the Ravid disagrees with the Rambam's ruling that in this case, if he did it intentionally, he has to pay. And the Ravid says, Even if he used the animal or the water, still we hold Hezek Loshme Hezek. There is a view in the Gemara that Hezek, which is not not physically noticeable is not considered hezek so in this case which is hezek Onikar the person should not have to pay even if they did it bemaze and then the ravid throws in the time of the the reason he should not have to pay in this case even Bemazid, is because he's not intending to damage the property he's just trying to use it for his own benefit so since he's not intending to damage the object the rabbis did not obligate him to pay even though he did it b'mezid so that's the view of the Ravid. now the Magid Mishnah quotes that the Gemara in Gittin Nun Gimel sounds very much like the view of the Ravid. The Gemara asks on the view that Hezek Sheinonikar is Shmei Hezek. It is considered damage from a brysa that says If someone does work with the mei or the para aduma He does not have to pay in the human court even though he is responsible for what he did in the heavenly court. So this brysa says clearly that in terms of actual cash payment he does not have to pay. So the Gemara asks Asks, according to the view that Hezek is considered Hezek, so why does he not have to pay the actual damages? Now, this brysa must be referring to where he did the work b'meizid, because if it's bishogeg, so the Gemara already explained that even the view that Hezek sheinonikar is Shmei Hezek agrees that if someone did something bishogeg, he does not have to pay because we're concerned that he won't even tell the owners what happened. So, since nobody's able to see any change to this object there's a concern that if the person is responsible to pay he just won't say anything and then the owners will be using an object which is disqualified. So in order to prevent that if it's a case of shogeg, the rabbis said that he does not have to pay in order to encourage him to tell the owners what happened. So obviously if the Gemara is asking on this Brisa why does he not have to pay it's interpreting that the case of the Brisa is talking about Mazid and not shogeg. Now the Gemara's question is only according according to the view that hezek shenonikar is considered damages not according to the other view that it's loch me hezek so we see very clearly from this line in the gemara that according to the view that hezek shenonikar is not hezek even if the person did it be mazed, like the case of the Brisa, they're still exempt from having to pay. Now, the problem is that the Gemara said, even according to the view that Hezek Sheh is not Hezek, if it's mazed, the person does still have to pay because the rabbis fined him since he intended to damage this property. So even though what he did is not technically damaged, but since he intended to harm the property, so the rabbis made him pay. So why is the Gemara limiting its question only on the view that it is considered Hezek, and it's asking why doesn't he have to pay, even according to the other view, since it was bemazed, he should have to pay. So that's what the raided answers, that in this case, there is no knas, there is no fine because he wasn't intending to damage the property, he was only using it for his own benefit. So there's a difference between this case and other cases of Hezek Sheinonikar, where the person is trying to damage the property, there bemazed every. Everyone agrees that he has to pay. But in this case, where he was not trying to damage the property, he was just trying to use it for his own benefit, so if it's considered hezik, then the person has to pay, and if it's not hezik, then they don't have to pay. So that explains the question of the gemara, that since the brysa says he doesn't have to pay, that supports the view that it's not considered hezik. So the rivet has a very nice reading of this gemara, but the upshot according to the rivet is that if the person damaged the property in Intentionally, then they would have to pay in a case of Mezid. But if they were just trying to use it for their own benefit, since we hold that it's not considered Hezek, they would not have to pay. And that goes against the Rambam. He said that in this case where the person used the paraschatas or the Mechatas for their own benefit. So they were not intending to damage the property. They were just trying to benefit from it. So the Rambam said if it was Mezid, they do have to pay. And that contradicts the Gemara that says that according to the view that it's It's not Hezek. In this case, the person does not have to pay. So the Ravid is asking that the Rambam's ruling in this halacha goes against the Gemara. So to explain how the Rambam reads the Gemara, Rab Chaim introduces that there is another factor in this case as well. There is a difference between a mazik versus a Gozlin, someone who damages versus someone who steals. In the case of damages, so there the Gemara said that both views, whether Hezek Shein is Hezek or not, everyone's going to agree that if he did it by Mazid, he has to pay. And if it was shogeg, he's exempt from paying. But this whole distinction between Mazid and Shogig Shogeg only applies to a Mazik, someone who damaged it does not apply to a gazlan, someone who stole, because the Gemara there says that if someone stole chametz before Pesach, and then they kept it over Pesach, so by the time they're returning it to the owners after Pesach, they've damaged the chametz because it's no longer usable. It's chametz that Pesach passed over. So that's Hezek Shein Nikar. You can't see any physical change to the chametz, but on a halachic level, it's no longer usable chametz. So there is damages. So the Gemara, says, according to the view that it's not Hezek, the thief can just return the Hummits to the owner and say, here's your object that I stole and he's done. And according to the view that it is Hezek, he cannot return it because he damaged the property. And once a thief damages property, he can't just return it to the owners and be done with it. At that point, he'd have to financially compensate them for their losses. So the issue of whether this thief can return an object which has non-physical damage to it depends on the debate about Hezek Shein Onikar whether that's Hezek or not. And there's no difference between Shogig or Mezid because in that case, the thief kept the chametz over Pesach so his behavior was only passive so he didn't even actually do the damage. It just happened while it was in his possession and still the Gemara says that if Hezek Shein Onikar is Hezek so he can't return it because it's considered stolen, damaged goods and the thief can't just return that to the owners and be done with it. So we see that Shogig and Mazid doesn't make a difference in the case of the thief, so long as the property was damaged, even if he didn't actively do it, it just happened in his possession, he still cannot return it to the owners and say, here's your lost object back. So there's a basic difference between a Mazik and a Gazlan. A Mazik, it depends whether he damaged the object Shogig versus Mazid, whereas a Gazlan, it makes no difference if the object was damaged damaged, so then he's not able to hand it back to the owners, and he has to compensate them. But again, that's only according to the view that Hezek Shein Onikar is Shmei Hezek, if it's not considered Hezek, so then he could just return the object to the owners. Now, says Rab Chaim, in this case where someone used the Mechatas or the Parashatas for their own benefit, so this person actually did two things. He's both a Mazik as well as a Gazlan because he's a Shoal Shalomidas, das. He borrowed this object without permission. So that's a form of theft. So the person in this halacha is both a goslin and a mazik. So that's going to explain how the Rambam reads this case in the Gemara. The case of the braisa could be where the person used the water or the para by accident. So it's shogig. So that's why everyone theoretically would agree whether it's hezek or not, that in this case, the person does not have to pay because it's a shogig. And both views in the Gemara agree that a mazik of hezek shenonikar that's shogig does not have to pay. But there's another issue. In this case, he also stole. So there it doesn't make a difference whether it's shogig or mazid. So even though this case is show gig, since he's a gazlan, according to the view that it's considered hezek, he should have to pay. According to the other view, that it's not hezek, so he can just return the object to the owners, even though he damaged it, but since it's not considered hezek, he can return it like any stolen object, and say, here's your object, and I'm out of the situation. But according to the other view, that it is considered damaged, stolen goods, so he can't just return it, he needs to pay the owners and compensate for the damages. So that's what the Gemara is asking. Even though in the realm of Mazik, the person could get out of it because it's Shogeg, but in the realm of Gazlan, they can't get out of it according to the view that it is considered Hezek, they have to pay. So that's why even though the case in the Gemara is Shogeg, it's still a question on the view that it is considered Hezek because this person is also a Gazlan. But everyone would agree that in terms of the Mazik, he has to pay if it's Mazid, not if it's Shogeg. Shogig, and that's exactly what the Rambam ruled. And since we hold that Hezek shein is not Hezek, so that's why this person also doesn't have to pay as a gazlan. So they're totally exempt if it was shogeg. So this is a very nice interpretation of the Gemara, and it makes sense of the Rambam's ruling. But says Rab Chaim, there's a problem now because according to this, what is the answer of the Gemara? The Gemara explains that the reason why the person doesn't have to pay, according to the view that Hezek shein is Hezek is because the case of the brysa is not where he actually did real work with the para or the water. It's talking about parashah hechnisa lerivka shetinak He took the cow and he put it in the barn so that it would nurse its baby or it would step on some of the produce, but he didn't actually do work with it. He just put the cow in there and the water he used as a weight. So Rashi explains that it's a grumma. He didn't actually do any work with the objects. He just used them in a way that accomplished something secondary. So that's how the Gemara answers this question. That even though it is considered hezek, that's only when he actually does something. Since here it's just a grumma, he put the objects in a situation where they ended up doing work, but he didn't actually do the work, so he does not have to pay according to both views. Says Rab Chaim, that answer only works according to the raivid, that the Gemara was asking that the case is b'mezid and he should have to pay as a mazik. So the answer is that he's not a real mazik because he didn't directly use the animal, he only caused it to be damaged. But according to the way Rab Chaim's explaining the question, according to the Rambam, that it's he should have to pay as a gazlan, so what does it matter if he indirectly caused the damage? When it comes to a gazlan, that doesn't make any difference. As Rab Chaim said before, even if the Damage happened passively, so the Goslin didn't even do any damage. He would still be obligated to compensate the owners. So certainly, if he's a grumma where he caused the damage to happen, certainly there he should have to pay the owners. So if the question is that the person should have to pay because they're a Goslin with stolen damaged goods, so the answer of the Gemara does not seem to answer anything. Saying that he indirectly caused the damage is not going to change the situation. Since he's a Goslin, he should. Still have to pay. So Rab Chaim says that the Rambam in fact learns that Gemara differently. He explains the answer differently than Rashi. Rashi explained that when the Gemara says he used the mechatas as a weight, it means that he weighed another object using the water of chatas as the counterweight. So he did an action using the mechatas for some sort of work, even though it was not direct work. It was just weighing something on the other side. That's the way Rashi explains it. The Rambam in Hilchus Parah, Yud, says differently. That the problem with putting the water on the weight is that he weighed the water itself. So in fact, he did not use the water for any purpose at all. He wasn't weighing another object. He just wanted to know the weight of this water and weighing it disqualifies it because there's a concern that he gets distracted and he's not paying attention to the water. So now, according to the Rambam, the answer of the Gemara is not that he borrowed the mechatas in order to use it, which would be a shoah and that would be a gazlan. That was the assumption in the question. The Gemara is answering that, in fact, he never used the water for anything. So he wasn't borrowing it. He wasn't using it. He was just weighing it. So since he's not a gazlan, so therefore he doesn't have to pay. So the answer of the Gemara fits in very nicely with the way Rab Chaim explained the question according to the Rambam. The question is that even though he's Shogeg, so he doesn't have to pay as a Mazik, but he should have to pay as a Gazlan, the answer is he wasn't using this object at all, so he's not a Gazlan, so that's why he doesn't have to pay, because he's only a Mazik. So that explains the back and forth of the Gemara very nicely according to the Rambam, and it fits in with his ruling that according to the view that Hezek Shein Onikar is not Hezek, if someone damages, Bemezid they do have to pay and Bishogeg they don't, and that fits very nicely into the discussion of the Gemara. But now Rab Chaim continues to try to fit this approach into the rulings of the Rambam and this brings him to a very important conceptual discussion. The Rambam in the next Halacha writes if someone put the paraduma in the barn so that it would nurse its baby or step on the produce, or he got distracted from the waters of the chattas, So he's exempt in the human court even though he's responsible in the heavenly court. So in that case, the Rambam records the ruling of the Brisa that he does not have to pay anything financially. But now Rab Chaim asks, the way he's interpreting the Gemara according to the Rambam where did the Rambam find a source that even if the person does this b'mezid, they're exempt from paying the Gemara was only discussing a case of Shogeg there the Gemara said that he doesn't have to pay and he's not even considered a Gazlan but the Gemara according to the Rambam's reading never discussed if he did this b'mezid. so how does the Rambam know in this Halacha that even though he did this type of damage b'mezid, he still does not have to pay it never said that in the Gemara according to the Rambam the way Rab Chaim explained him the Gemara only referred to the case of Shogeg and the Rambam is extending this also to the case of Mezid so where is the Rambam's source that even be Mazid the person is exempt from paying So to answer this, says Rab Chaim yet again that there is another factor that the Rambam is balancing in these halachas. The Rambam in the first chapter of Hilchus Gneva rules that if someone steals a vessel, and when he steals it, it's worth two zuz, so that's the currency, let's say two dollars, and then he breaks it. But by the time he breaks it, the market value of that vessel has doubled to four. So the thief has to pay Kfell double the value of the vessel because he broke it. So the Rambam rules that the value of the Kfell is determined at 4 what it was when he broke it. Now, if the thief didn't break the vessel, it broke on its own, it was an accident, so then it's valued at when he stole it, so it would be 2. So the Rambam differentiates the value of the vessel in terms of the Kfell fine depending on whether the thief broke it or it passively broke Broke, so Rab Chaim analyzed this Rambam in the first piece in Hochos Gneva. But here, Rab Chaim points out that what the Rambam is saying is that if someone steals an object and then they break it, so breaking is also a form of theft. Breaking something is considered stealing. Because the Rambam says that he pays the kefel based on the moment when he broke it. Because any time an object is stolen, Any active damage that the thief does to that object is considered stealing. So there's almost two forms of stealing. One is taking an object from someone's property and taking it away, and the other is breaking it or damaging it, which is also considered stealing. So this is a very important conceptual point. Rab Chaim is saying that when a goslin damages the stolen object, he's not considered a mazik, he's considered a goslin all over again. A mazik is someone who didn't steal an object, but once someone steals an object, if they damage it, it falls under the category of gezela, of theft, and they don't become a mazik. So now, Rab Chaim adds to this. Let's say in a related case, if someone does meshicha or hagba, they pull or they lift an object without intending to acquire it and without intending to use it, their goal is to damage the object. So ordinarily, we would say that since they acquired the object intending to damage it, they're considered a mazik. But says Rab Chaim, in this case, in fact, they're considered a a gazlan, because since he just explained that there is a form of hezek, of damage, which is connected to gezel, so it's a form of stealing, so in this case, it's the same thing. Since the person acquired the object, that's a form of stealing, and through that, they intended to damage the object, so the damage and the acquisition combine together, and they become a gazlan, not a mazik. And Rab Chaim has a proof for this, from the case of minaseh If someone takes someone else's wine and they use it for avoda zara, So that damages the wine because now it's prohibited from use. So now this person lifted up the wine without intending to steal it and without intending to use it, they were intending to damage it. And the Gemara in Gitin says, As soon as he lifted up the wine, he becomes responsible for any damages that happened to it. So the Gemara is saying that he becomes a goslin. He takes ownership of it like a thief, not that he's a mazik. So why in this case where he did not intend to acquire the wine? He did not intend to use it. How did he become a thief? He lifted up the wine intending to damage it. Says Rab Chaim, it's because of his explanation, that since there are damages which are considered a form of theft, and in this case, he lifted up the object, so he acquired it through lifting it up, with the intention of damaging it, so all of that combines together, the acquisition, with the intention to damage, and he becomes a thief, not a mazik. So this is the proof for Rab Chaim's idea that there is hezik, which is a form of theft, and that acquiring an object through that form of damage makes someone a gazlan and not a mazik. And Rab Chaim adds that even though he built this second concept, that if someone acquires something intending to damage it, they become a thief, on the first concept, that if a thief takes an object and then damages it, that's considered another gezel, not a mazik, but says Rab Chaim, even if someone disagrees with that first idea, and they say that a thief who steals an object and damages it is a mazik, so he's now both a thief who then became also a mazik. Even so, the second idea would be correct, that if someone acquires something to damage it, they become a thief and not a mazik. And the proof is from menaseh. So the second idea, even though in Rab Chaim's framework, it built on the first idea, but it could be independently true because it has this proof from menaseh. But even so, says Rab Chaim, the way he developed this, the connection between the first concept and the second concept is still important because it teaches us an important limitation of the second concept. The first concept is saying that if a gazlan damages an object, so ordinarily if they did this action, they would be considered a mazik, but since the context of the case is that this person is already a gazlan, so when they go ahead and do the action of a mazik, it's just considered, Considered another form of gezel. But that only applies when the person actually damaged the object. It doesn't apply to passive damages. Meaning only if this person actually is a mazik, so then in context of a gazlan, it gets transformed that that hezik is also a gazlan. But if the person is not a mazik to begin with, then there's nothing to change into a form of gezel. So the same is true of the second concept, which says that if someone, a acqu- acquires something in order to damage it, they become a gazlan, not a mazik, so that only applies if they did an actual hezik, they damaged it, but not if it's passive, because again, the whole concept is that if the person would have been a mazik, since they're also acquiring it through this action, so instead of becoming a mazik, they become a gazlan, but if the person would not have been a mazik to begin with, because this was just passive damage, so then even even if they're acquiring it through this action which is going to lead to passive damage that doesn't make them a gazlan. A gazlan can only be the combination of a kinyan acquiring it together with a mazik. If the person would have been considered a mazik so in that case they become a gazlan. But if they would not have been considered a mazik either way so there's nothing to turn into a gazlan. So based on this says Rab Chaim his whole Kiddish that if someone acquires something with the intention to damage it, they become a goslin, only applies if they're going to actively damage it. But if they acquire something with the intention to allow it to passively be damaged, that does not turn them into a goslin. And he has a proof for this idea from the Ushalmi in Babakama. The Mishnah says, If robbers take out the animal so they become responsible. So the Ushalmi quotes, Amar Shaya The case of the Mishnah is only where the robbers take the animal with the intention of stealing it. But if they take out the animal with the intention of allowing it to be destroyed, so then they are not obligated in its damages. So now, Rab Chaim's Chiddush seems to clash with the Yerushalmi. Rab Chaim said that if someone acquires an animal intending to damage it, they become a gazlan and they're responsible for all damages. Whereas the Ushalmi saying that if they acquired the animal intending for it to get damaged, so they're not obligated to cover the damages. Says Rab Chaim, this is the distinction between active damage versus passive damage. Only if the person was going to be a Mazik, then they become a Gazlan if they acquire it and they're responsible for all damages. But if the person was just going to allow the object to be damaged passively, so they're not a Mazik, and by extension, they don't become a Gazlan, so, they're not responsible to cover the damages. So, now very brilliantly, Rab Chaim ties this all together back into the case of someone who used the paraschatas or the mechatas. Says Rab Chaim whether or not this person is considered a goslin depends on whether they're considered a mazik. If this is considered a mazik, so since in this case they acquired the object, they're also a goslin. But if it's not considered a mazik, it's considered a passive damage, so even though they acquire the object, they don't become a goslin. So whether in this case the person becomes a goslin depends on whether they're a mazik, and that in turn depends on the issue of hezek nikar whether that's considered hezek or not. So now if we apply this whole framework back into the Gemara, it explains the back and forth in the Gemara and exactly how the Rambam arrived at his rulings. The Gemara's question is that according to the view that Hezek Shein Onikar is Shmei Hezek, so in the case where the person used the para or the mechatas, so they lifted it up or pulled it, so they acquired it, and since it's considered Hezek, so they become a goslin. so that's why they should have to pay in all cases, even if it was Shogeg. So again, the Gemara understands that the case of the Braisa is Shogeg, and still the person should have to pay because they're considered a Gazlan. But that's only according to the view that Hezek Shein Onikar is considered Hezek. According to the other view that it's not Hezek, they're not a Gazlan either, so that's why they don't pay in the case of Shogeg. So that was how the Rambam read the question of the Gemara. That it's incorporating all these different moving pieces that Rab Chaim's proposed in this piece in order to arrive at this question that if it's considered Hezek, then the person becomes a goslin, so they should have to pay even bishogeg. So the Gemara answers the case of the Brisa is where he put the cow in the barn, but he didn't actually do direct work. He only enabled the cow to do work, or he measured the Mechatas, so he got distracted and disqualified them. But since he didn't actively damage these things, it was passive damage, so he's not considered a Mazik. Once he's not a Mazik, he's not a goslin so then he doesn't have have to pay bishogeg according to everyone, so that is the answer of the Gemara. Now, from this, the Rambam learned that in that case of passive damage, he's also not a mazik because if he would be a mazik, so then he would be a gazlan, and then he would have to pay bishogeg. So this Gemara does teach us also not only that if he's not a mazik, he's not a gazlan, but also that if he passively damages it, it's not considered a mazik. So that's why the Rambam rules in the next halacha that even in a case of mazid, he does not have to pay because he's not considered a mazik. So all of the rulings of the Rambam will fit into this interpretation of the Gemara and it makes sense with the two halachas the Rambam said. That according to the view that Hezek Shein is not Hezek, even if a person did not intend to damage, they were only trying to use the object for their own benefit, if it was bemazed, they still have to pay, and the Ravid questioned the Rambam on that, but the answer is that the Rambam understands this case, and the Gemara is talking about Shogeg, bemazed. they would have to pay, and then in the next Halacha, the Rambam clarifies that's only when they actually damaged the paraschatas or the Mechatas, but if it was a passive damage that they enabled so then they do not have to pay and again that follows from the Gemara because they're not considered a mazik. So this is Rab Chaim's explanation for the Rambam. It's a very impressive framework that Rab Chaim creates with all sorts of moving pieces and some very creative and innovative chidushim in order to explain on a technical level how the Rambam reads the Gemara. And learns his various halachas from this discussion in the Gemara. So there's a lot going on in this short piece. And some very impressive and important conceptual ideas as well. As well as a very new reading of the Gemara according to the Rambam's interpretation. So now there's a good amount of discussion about Rab Chaim's ideas First of all, Rab Chaim has a new reading of the answer in the Gemara in Gi'in, where it says that the case is where the person measured using the mechatas, or they put the animal in the barn to nurse or to step on produce. So Rashi explains that line in the Gemara, that since the person did not directly use the paraduma or the mechatas, they only indirectly caused it to be used, so it's grama. So in that case, they're not responsible for damages. Rab Chayim argues that according to the Rambam it means something totally different and this is based on the Rambam's own wording of the Halacha in Hilchus Para Aduma Perik Yud Halacha Hei where the Rambam writes that if someone measured the water itself they disqualified. So according to Rav Chayim the Rambam interprets this Gemara differently it's not saying that the person indirectly used the water it's saying that they didn't use it at all they were just measuring the water and this explanation also fits in, in the next halacha in the Rambam in Chovellu Zion Hey where he's codifying that line in the Gemara and he describes the Mechatas not as being used as a counterweight but he says V'hisiach dato, that a person got distracted from paying attention to the Mechatas so the Rambam does seem to have a different interpretation of this Gemara than Rashi now it's worth noting that the Rivan in Hilchus Parah Aduma already picks up on this and he says that the Rambam does not fit into the Gemara in Gi'in so the Raivin David read the Gemara like Rashi. That's why he's asking on the Rambam. And the Kesef Mishnah there tries to explain how the Rambam's language could fit into Rashi's explanation. So the Kesef Mishnah does not interpret the Rambam in a whole different way, the way Rab Chaim does, but still Rab Chaim has a very nice new interpretation of the Rambam in line with his whole explanation in this piece that according to the Rambam, there is another factor going on in this Gemara that the person's not only a Mazik, but also a Gazlan. Now Rav Shachanav Yezri points out that as nice as Rab Chaim's interpretation is, it only accounts for one half of the cases, which is the Mechatas, But the other case of the para that got put in the barn in order to nurse and step on the produce, so Rab Chaim never explains how that's not benefiting the person, how they're not getting any use from the animal in that case. So that is a lingering question with Rab Chaim. Now, the main conceptual point that Rab Chaim develops in this piece is this idea that someone who damages property that they had stolen is now considered a gazlan and not a mazik. So Rab Chaim suggests that damaging stolen property does not make the person a mazik. It turns them into another gazlan. They stole again. So the damage in that case is under the category of gezel more than the category of hezek. Now building on that, so Rab Chaim extends it and he says that if someone acquires something with the intention of damaging it, so ordinarily we would call them a mazik, but in fact they have the status of a gazlan because since they acquired the object, so they took it out of the owner's possession and they intended to damage it but damage can be a form of stealing so in this case the person becomes a goslin so this is a very important conceptual framework that Rab Chaim develops very briefly in this piece now in the back of the Or Olam edition of Chidush Rab in Chaim Alevi they quote that a number of Rab Chaim's Talmidim were very taken with this idea Rab Baruch Ber in the Birka Shmuel in Babakama, Simon Simen Hay discusses it as well as in two pieces in Ksubis and Rab Zalman Meltzer in two places in and the Evin Ha'azel also goes over it. Now, they quote that the Rav added a nice conceptual proof to Rab Chaim's idea because he said that once someone steals something, they do not become obligated to pay for any other form of damage. And this is based on the Gemara in Tzari Amid that says that someone who steals something does not have to pay for benefiting from it. So once someone steals an object, we don't tack on further things that they have to pay for in addition to having stolen it. So the fact that they have to pay for damaging it must mean that the damage is under the category of stealing, but it can't be a separate obligation under the category of mazik. So that's a proof to Rab Chaim's whole view that the mazik of a stolen object is a form of gezel and not a form of mazik. Now, this whole issue is actually a three-way debate between Rab Chaim versus Diktsos and the nese. See this in Simon LaMedalid and Gimel so the so totally disagrees with Rav Chaim's whole perspective and the reason he gets into this is because he says that a gonav achar haganav someone who steals from a thief so that second person is not considered a Ghanav or a goslin. They have not stolen in any way. So Diktsos quotes that the view of Rav Chista in the Gemara, it's a debate between Rami Bar Chama and Rav Chista. Rav Chista holds that if someone steals something and then someone else comes and eats it, so the original owners could choose to collect the payment from either the thief or the second person who ate it. So that seems to go against Diktsos's idea that someone who steals from a thief has an done anything, they're not a Ganev or a Gazlan. So the Tso says even though they're not a thief, they are a Mazik. So the reason the owner could choose to collect from the person who ate after the thief stole it is because that second person is considered a mazik. And then the tzos brings a proof to this that it applies even to the thief himself, not just the second person, but even the person who stole it. So this proof comes from the case that Rab Chaim referenced. If the value of the object goes up and then he breaks it, so if he actively broke it, he pays the higher value. And if it broke on its own, he pays the lower value of the time when he stole it. So the Ktsos says, why should he pay the higher value when he breaks it? He didn't steal it again. And in the other case where it breaks on its own, so why does he pay the lower value? He had the object in his possession that whole time. So it's like he was stealing it the whole time. So why does he not pay the higher value? Says the Ktsos, once someone steals something, they're done. They cannot be a goslin again on that object. So this person who broke the object is... not a new goslin. The reason they pay the higher value is because they're a mazik. So the tzos is very clear that once someone steals something, even if they break it and change it, they do not become a goslin again. Once they're a goslin, they're done. They cannot steal this object again. And if something happens to the object, they pay because they're a mazik. So a mazik is not a goslin according to the tzos. It's a totally different thing. Even if the person stole the object and damages it, they are are considered a mazik and not a goslin. So this goes totally against the way Rab Chaim sees this. Now, the Nasivis disagrees with the Ktsos even though he largely agrees with him. He says that if someone takes an object from a ganev so they do not become a ganev or a goslin at all and they don't have to pay not only the kefel, but they don't even have to pay the karen, the base payment for the value of the object. So both the Ktsos and the Nasivis agree on this key point that a gonev achar a ganiv, someone who steals from a ganav is not considered a ganav or a goslin at all, and they don't have to compensate the value of the stolen object. Now, that alone is controversial. Many others disagree and hold that this person is a goslin. Even though they don't pay kefel, that's clear in the Gemara, but they would pay the karen, the basic value of the object that they stole. So, both the tzos and the Nasivis are agreeing that in that case, the second ganav does not have the status of a thief in any But the Chos insists that in all cases, even if he breaks it, he does not become a goslin. And there the Nasivist disagrees. He says only if he just takes the object from the Ganav, then the second thief is not considered a thief in Halacha. But if he actually breaks it, or if he changes the status, so the Halacha is that Shinui is Kone by changing an object, a person acquires it. So the same is true of this second thief. If he actually changes the object or he breaks it, then he does acquire it, and then he does become a goslin not a mazik. So according to the Nasivis, there is a case where the second thief does become a gazlan, not a mazik as the Ktsos said, and that is when he breaks it, not just takes it. And then the Nasivis adds that there's another similar case if the second thief takes the object with the intention of using it. So now he's a Shoel Shalomidas. He's borrowing without permission. So that's also a gazlan. So those are the two exceptions according to the Nasivis, where the second thief is considered a goslin in Halakha, even though ordinarily a thief who takes from a thief is not considered a goslin. But that's only where he just took the object. So the Nesivas has a middle position between the Ktsos and Rab Chaim. He agrees with the Ktsos that ordinarily one can only steal something one time, except if they do a shinui, they change the object. So that's considered a new theft. Now the Nesivas doesn't explain in the case where the thief himself... Not a second thief, but the first thief broke the object. So is that considered a mazik? Did he add mazik to being a gazlan? Or is that considered another gezel on this object? But presumably in the Nasivis' perspective that changing the object is a new form of gezel. So that could be a new form of gezel and not a mazik. Now, the yam and in chilek alef simen chaf alef quotes a version of the proof that we have in Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi in this piece and in the first piece in Hilchus Geneva. So this is the analysis of the Rambam regarding the case where the value of the object goes up or down and then he breaks it or it gets broken. So that fikeyam had heard a different version of this from Rab Chaim that he used it as a proof to the perspective of the Nasivis. Now in the Sefer Chidusha Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, Rab Chaim actually has a third approach to to this. So it's not the this, it's even more extreme. And according to the final version of Rab Chaim, not the version, but the version that he wrote in this Sefer, he's saying that not only if the person changes the object are they considered a Gazlan, he's saying that in that case the Mazik status is transformed into Gezel. So it's not that the person is a Mazik as well as a Gazlan because they changed and therefore acquired the object. In this Sefer, Rab Chaim says in even more sharp conceptual formulation that there is a form of mazik which becomes a gezel. So the mazik status itself is transformed into being a gazlan with the laws of gazlan. So those are the three major perspectives regarding this concept. According to the tzos, one cannot steal something that they've already stolen. So any new damages that they have to pay after that are because they are now a mazik in addition to being a goslin, but they're not a goslin again. The nesivist largely agrees with that, but he disagrees that if they change the object, so there's shinui maset which acquires it for them, so then they could be a goslin all over again. But if they just damaged the object, so they don't acquire it, it's not enough to change the object, according to the nesivist, they have to pay in that case because they're a mazik. And Rab Chaim holds that even if they just damage it, even if it's not enough to acquire it, it or for shinoi mase, but once they damage the object that they already stole, so they become a mazik, but that mazik is transformed into a form of gezel. So the actual payment in this case comes from the obligation of gezel and not from the laws of mazik. So those are the three major views on this issue.